0: Hey everyone, and welcome to Between the Creations. My name is Laurian Hook, and each week on the podcast, I and my guest discuss various aspects of theology, Christianity, and the Bible. I'm so glad you've decided to join us. Let's get started. Welcome, everyone. Uh, it's really good to have you this week on Between the Creations. Thanks for joining us. I'm excited to have my friend Mike Skinner with me. Mike has done, I think, two episodes with us in the past, and uh, he is back. He We didn't scare him away. He's back for another one, and uh, Mike is a dear friend of mine, and he's a pastor in a local church around where we live. He um, has been a pastor. How long have you been in pastoral ministry?
1: I... Became the lead pastor at twenty years old in February of two thousand nine. So I believe okay. we're close to twelve years. I'm yeah. not great at math.
0: Yeah, right. So two thousand, starting in two thousand nine, we'll just we'll just say that for over now.
1: a decade. Um,
0: right it's been it's been a while Mike also teaches uh, some adjunct classes at Houston Baptist University in their theology and, and Bible kind of areas and so he's a very very good s- scholar a very um, consistent learner of all things and has a lot of depth to him as a person and even theologically and just personally and so I um, really glad to have Mike here welcome um, welcome welcome it's so good to have you with us again thanks for joining
1: thanks thanks for having me back that was the nice thing anyone's ever said about me you know. In a few weeks, at least, so
0: <laughs> right. I'll, so, I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll, nice. always, I'll
1: always come back <laughs> for, for, just, a good for the, intro. just for the
0: intros. <laughs> just for the intros. <laughs> yeah, hang your hat on that for a year. There you the, go.
1: The check <laughs> checks in the mail, Orion.
0: Right. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. Um, yeah. So today, Mike and I are going to talk about kind of things you that your pastor wishes you knew about them or wishes you understood about their job or what it's like to be a pastor, or honestly, even just in full-time ministry, regardless of if you have been ordained or not. Um, full-time ministry is a strange, strange animal. Uh, it is, man, there's layer after layer of things happening when you're a pastor and so, uh, and Mike is is very, very candid in a lot of ways, and very just open and honest about just you know we've talked about mental health, we've talked about other things like that. And so, obviously, pastors have things like mental health, and they have things like physical health, and they have things like emotional health um, that Usually, we often think poorly, right? Exactly, that we often uh, as as churchgoers uh, sometimes overlook, and we think that they are just these super spiritual people whose prayer lives are amazing and who open the Bible and it just comes alive to them all the time and who just have really, really great work-life balance and all of those things and they take care of themselves and they're eating a balanced diet and they're getting enough sleep. And the reality of the matter is, folks, that is not the case for the majority of pastors Um and, and even people just in full-time ministry in general, that is not the case for us. We do not have all of those ducks in a row by any means. Um, so I know that we kind of, again, the, the main theme is things that your pastor wishes you would understand about their job. Um, so Mike, maybe let's just start here. What are some of the most common misconceptions that you think that you have found that people have about what you actually do on a weekly basis and what, what it is that takes up the majority of your time as a pastor? Because do people just think that you just sit in your office all day long and like write really long, you know, papers and sermons and stuff? What are some misconceptions that, that people have about what it is to be a full-time pastor?
1: I think honestly, the biggest misconception is that there is one typical week, you know, that there's, Uh, And I'll say at the start of our conversation, ministry is a very interesting thing in itself, but also is very varied. So, like, being a Catholic priest is going to be way different uh, being a pastor of a small church, solo pastor, versus being at a big church is going to be very different. There are some things, you know, that are just common humanity, but, um, you know, I I pastor a small church, 75-ish adults, and so... That'll be the context that you know my personal experience is coming from, but uh, yeah, that probably the the most common one that I hear that I talk to people about is is that there's some kind of set schedule. There's right every week is different. <laughs> you know, it someone has a crisis this week, and or you know, I put off some sermon planning for this or that, or there's an event coming up, and and I'm not sure. I, I should yeah. have a schedule. That's a goal of mine, but yeah, there's no. I think people have always assumed that pastors know what they're doing at all times.
2: Mm, Yeah.
1: More or less. And maybe I'm just alone here and exposing myself and the imposter syndrome. (laughs) I doubt it. (laughs) Come full circle, but you know, you just learn as you go and do your best. And so when it comes to funerals or weddings or counseling or things with kids, they kind of assume like there's some textbook that you've read and there's an answer. and, And it's like, no, I, you know, if I've got questions, I Google or find a book just like just like you would, you know, yeah, a little bit more experience behind me that can help inform that and some theological training that I can bring into that. But. Yeah, yeah. Not,
0: no, th- I mean, so I'm I'm not a pastor in, in the formal sense of the word at all, but I, I am in full time ministry. And so and I've and I've been to seminary, you've you've done grad school, all that stuff. And there is no. There's no preparation, really, um, other than actually doing the work. Um, there's there's no book that you're going to read that's going to unlock how to do hospital visits perfectly. There's no book that you're going to read that's going to say, here's how you um, officiate a great wedding. Like, there's sure. some tips and tricks, but you have to get in there and do it, which is how all professions are, really. But people – I think you you that was a great point you made. People assume that the pastor is different. They, they assume that it's a different type of work um, where you just know what to do at all times. And As people... if there's a
1: Bible passage that lays out, you know, how the order of a yeah. wedding is supposed to go. It's like, no, right? y'all got to find that out in your family. <laughs>
0: Right. And then like, there's no, there's no way to prepare for every single thing that's going to come at you. Um, And again, that's kind of true for, for other jobs as well, but it's different in some ways in pastoral ministry because you're dealing with people, like you're dealing with human beings. And so you could have any varied, experience on a on a given week. You could do a wedding one day and a funeral two days later and then do a hospital visit and then have a sudden, you know, whatever. And I don't think that people realize um, the variation that comes with that. And, and then I, I would love for you to speak to this. The emotional toll that it takes to bounce back and forth between all of those spectrums all the time. Could you kind of talk about that just maybe personally or from just people that you know that are also pastors and what that's like with constantly bouncing back and forth across emotional spectrums as you interact with people who are on various emotional spectrums in their weeks.
1: Yeah. I did some polls and uh, some text threads before our conversation and in some uh, groups I'm in with other pastors to see what their, their answers would be. And just about all of them were, I'm lonely, I'm depressed, uh, you know, I don't have it all together. It It's very difficult to hear crisis after crisis and to uh, just – you know, meet the world's ugliest areas week after week, and then also give an amazing message and look it on camera and learn how to live stream and, and things like that. I do want to say at the outset, like nothing, I don't know, nothing is as off tone to me as someone who just complains all the time. And so I think a lot of this is, is kind of, you know, a little bit like, yeah, maybe things are a little bit tougher than you realized, or some things to consider. And so I want to say the outset, You know, it's a privilege to pastor. It's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had a lot of fun doing it. Um, there are downsides to it, just like again, there's downsides to every job. I think personally, the biggest difference is the God aspect, which maybe seems obvious, but <laughs> sometimes I even forget that if I'm talking to somebody they can kind of almost have like an auto assumption that God's talking to them. Mm. And that's a very weird thing. Yeah. And that's something you got to be careful of and cognizant of and know when you're just talking to a friend and ranting or whether someone thinks, you know, there's some kind of authority that's coming behind your opinion or thought or or voice. Yeah. there's a, a quote from Peter Lightheart that I, I love and I refer to a lot. And he says this pastoral ministry is the most wide ranging, challenging vocation known to mortals. The ideal pastor would have the rhetorical panache of a Churchill, the compassion of mother Teresa, the tenacity and courage of a Navy SEAL, the intellect of a lawyer, the patience of Job, the vision of Ezekiel, the creativity of the entrepreneur, the management skill of a CEO and the magnetic energy of a rock star. They must be exemplary in their devotion to Jesus and the uprightness of their character, and they must be everywhere for everything. I've always thought that quote kind of hits it on the head, and luckily for me, you know, I, I hit all those boxes, and so it, it's been pretty easy. <laughs> um,
0: Just check them off one by one. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, it's, it's yeah. a difficult thing to um, to have to be there when people die and to I remember the first time someone confessed something to me and not just like a small little sin but something dark and 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 you know and and evil and they understood it but it was just like whoa you know this is something else and then to turn around and go home and you know love your wife and yeah try to be a normal human being and not let that weigh you down and I think there are certain aspects where uh you just can't separate that 100 percent and um you know there are different philosophies of of ministry I think to an extent that's not a bad thing I think like Christ you know and like all Christians are called to to bear each other's burdens um but there's a yeah there's a lot of um A lot of difficulties I think most pastors deal with in terms of um, healthy boundaries and attachments and uh, I think a lot of conflicts and a lot of the mental and emotional relational tolls that are taken on both on congregants who can have horrible experiences if their pastors go off the rail and on pastors who can have Mm -hmm. congregations go after them. A lot of it comes down to not having the right boundaries not having learned those things um, and, you know, just not the right attachment kind of styles. So it can be difficult. One of the things for me that uh, I think a lot of when I think of the ministry is that what I try to give other people, I'm not always necessarily able to receive myself. And Mm. so like, I think we work really hard at our church for community and family And I do have a very strong community here at the church, but I can't treat them like they're my family. And I can't believe that emotionally because one day I might leave and a new pastor will come in or, you know, they might leave and they might move, that kind of a thing. I want them to be as family-like as possible. Mm -hmm. And I am included in that. Um, But, you know, I don't. I'm leading that and, and pushing that and not just the recipient of it. And so I've got mm-hmm. to be aware of if I'm overstepping my bounds, I've got to be aware of if we're doing it right or if we're doing it wrong. Um, and uh, there's a lot of transactional elements that take away. See so I think like a lot of pastors, I fantasize about what it would be like just to go to a good church, you know, yeah. just to be able to belong to a good church and, mm-hmm and you know that's kind of when i daydream i'm like yeah find a good church sit in the back you know don't be the center of yeah. attention and then just do what i can to cheerlead for the pastor and help out and stack chairs and you yeah. know just enjoy yeah. enjoy enjoy a good community
0: yeah that's that's something that again people just don't it's not that they don't care it's just that it never crosses their minds is that like for pastors and for people in full time ministry Sundays are work days and you, and you, granted, you're not like at an office from eight, you know, eight to six necessarily on a Sunday. Some, sometimes you are, but it's, it's emotionally draining. Sundays are emotionally draining if you're in full-time ministry, especially if you're in a pastoral role, like they're, they're emotionally draining. And I don't know that we've given pastors the freedom to say that. And to, and to say other things like like you mentioned you've you've texted some of your the groups that you're in with other pastors and you know you're you're getting responses like I'm depressed, I'm exhausted, I'm burnout, what you know whatever it is. Um we have not created environments where our pastors can say things like that to us as the congregation. Um can you kind of talk about that a little bit maybe and I know you've you've actually done some really good work with talking with your congregation about mental health. And I think that's just super, super important. Um, so maybe out of that, if you want to speak or however you want to talk about this, but how do we foster better environments where our pastors can be made a little bit more honest with us. And then maybe therefore we can be a little bit more honest about our own lives. Because I think that that in some ways gives us a permission as, as congregants to be like, Oh, they're not there. They don't have their, their all this together. I don't either. I can be a little more honest about
1: that. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's 100% true. Um, I think that you can tell a church's culture and their relationship with their pastor and how healthy it is by length of tenure. And so if a church has a pastor, has had eight pastors in 10 years, it's not going well. Yeah. They're not relating to the pastor well. Things aren't aren't healthy. Um, That doesn't mean that automatically it's bad. You know, maybe the pastor had to move or, you know, it didn't work out for other reasons. But in churches, I think where you see longer tenures, you tend to see healthier cultures and uh, relationships between ministers and the congregation and things of that nature. And it kind of gets worked out over time. So I think some of it does come down to having to have the courage to be honest as a pastor, um, which can be hard. You know, you don't it's hard to be vulnerable for everybody. It's especially hard if you think people might weaponize that against you. Um, and church can be as political as any other organization. Uh, yeah. And it's difficult when your spiritual commitments also sometimes are aligned almost completely with your ability to provide for yourself and your family. Um, you mentioned, you know, weekends. That's another mm-hmm. fantasy of mine. You know, I was 20 years old when I became lead pastor. I don't, I don't know what it's like to have a weekend. Yeah. I'm not sure I've had a weekend off more than five or 10 times. Mm-hmm. Um, and even then, you know, this last weekend you were preaching at a church Yeah. Uh, on Saturday and Sunday, I'm talking to people at the church and texting and, yeah. and things like that. You know, so it's very difficult to fully disengage even when you get that break Uh, and so that would be one of the things I think maybe would be most surprising people is the toll it takes to not have weekends because your schedule then doesn't line up with your spouses and with Mm -hmm. your friends, um, where, you know, Monday or Friday, whatever that off day might be for that pastor is their most relaxing and most flexible day. Everyone else is in the office. And then, you know, on Saturday night, when your friends want to stay out and party, you're like oh, I gotta get up early and and, and preach tomorrow, mm-hmm. and then holidays too, um, Christmas yeah. Eve, and you know Easter, not as as big of a national holiday, if you will, but um, that takes a toll on the family. I mean,
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's just tough. Yeah. My family's very supportive, and I've never said anything you know negative, but I know that every year I'm gonna miss at least one side of my family's christmas celebrations because mm-hmm. i have to work and i feel bad about it and yeah you know i wish i didn't have to
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah i uh i i've talked to a lot of people in ministry um who feel especially when it comes to christmas um because unless your pastor is going to fly out christmas eve at midnight or christmas day assuming that it's not a sunday or a saturday then they're they're not going to see part of their family on Christmas um unless their family lives here and they have a really great setup or whatever but if if they would need to travel for any reason for Christmas um it's really not on the table for for pastors and i i also want to Christmas add into is a this, high
1: like, pressure yes service like top 2 for most churches
0: yes yeah and then also adding into this worship worship leaders like they they're right there with the pastor in a lot of ways and they are they're right there especially if you're at a church that has multiple services like they're doing two, three, sometimes four services. I have a friend um who leads worship. I think they did six or seven Christmas Eve services um over two days, which is I mean that's insane. madness. Like yeah. it's madness. And we're and, and people on the outside of that don't realize that then when those people show up to their family's Christmas Day celebration, or whatever, they're, they're toasted. Like they're done. They have nothing <laughs> left yep. and it's supposed to be like this really happy, great time and they're exhausted. And so like, again, I'm not, I'm not preaching every Sunday. I'm not, I'm not a pastor, but if I go on vacation, like even when I go see my parents, sometimes I'm like, I'm fine not going to church on, on a Sunday. Like I'm like, I'm, I'm really fine. If, if everyone else is fine, just kind of taking a day off, I'm fine not going because I'm there so much and I'm I'm sure that other people who are in full-time ministry in different ways feel the same way, um, to have that little bit of a break and not be on the whole time. Um, yeah, which is this idea of, of being on, um, of, of kind of just flipping that switch, um, is something else I want to talk about because you pastors and, and people who are in the spotlight, um, like that, you can't, well, you should be able to, but you're not really allowed to be off. When you're around, like you're not allowed to have like a bad expression on your face. You're not allowed to like have a five minute little meltdown where you're like, "I can't do this right now." Um, can you kind of talk about the emotional just aspect of of being on all the time when you're when you're around anyone that has any connection to your church whatsoever?
1: I remember. Many years ago we had a young guy at our church who was thinking about going to ministry. And I love giving young people the opportunity to preach. And so I had set him up for a Sunday for a sermon and that weekend something bad had happened and he wasn't feeling great. And he texted me Sunday morning and said I'm not doing it. And, you know, I was a little disappointed, kinda of put me in a tough spot, but was like, Well, you're not cut out for this. Like and it, you know, he's a kid, he could have grown up from that. Um but like you can't just quit because you know sometimes life is really really tough and sometimes things are really really bad and you know I've had my more than my fair share I think of, of pretty tough uh, breaks and there's a performative aspect of leading worship that I don't think is a negative thing, um, but. Even if you allow the space. So I think I have the space of the church to get up and say, you know, at the beginning of the sermon, like, I don't feel good. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm feeling very depressed this morning or that kind of thing. But you can't do that 13 weeks in a row, you know. Yeah. Um, and it's a weird thing. It's like a, a threshold that gets crossed for people in ministry. And you can tell if someone's done it or if they haven't gotten there yet, where they've had to get up and give a sermon and more or less put on a happy excited face because it is good news and it is the gospel mm-hmm. and you know it's not faking it but it's not the truest most naturally accessible emotion to you in that moment yeah. uh and there gonna be a lot of guilt associated with that like am I being a hypocrite or lying mm. um and it can just be really tough for some people to, yeah. to do that and then there's this slippery slope from there to just faking everything and then that's mm. where You get pastors who, yeah, can't ever be honest with people or their congregation never knows where they are. Um,
2: Yeah.
1: I mentioned at the top that, you know, without just complaining the whole time saying, you know, pastoring is fun and it's a privilege and and all those great things. But if there's one thing maybe I would tell people who are interested in this kind of conversation, it would be like, encourage your pastor, pray Mm. for your pastor, compliment your pastor. Like, I think people would be surprised at how many times they come with a problem or a criticism and they haven't come otherwise with a compliment or a solution or just a positive interaction. Mm-hmm. And when it's just you, it's, it's maybe difficult to see how that might pile up. But, you know, at my desk – A week gets very difficult when I hear from the same five people and they have five different complaints. And I honestly can't think of the last time they said something nice to me. And they're great. They're great people. They care about the church. You know, they want the church to succeed. Just not in a moment being kind of cognizant of that. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that's principle for all human beings is let your compliments outweigh your criticisms and try to bring more solutions than you point out problems and, and things of that nature but um yeah in, in ministry nothing is greater as a pastor than a church member a congregant even someone not in your church who just wants to cheerlead for you and yeah. that doesn't mean they agree with everything that you do that doesn't mean they're not able to criticize you if anything they're in the best position to uh, mm-hmm. to offer advice and help um but you know, we were really blessed as a church. We had a retired minister come in a couple of years ago. He's now one of our elders. And I mean, he's what I would love to be when I'm an older guy. Like he comes in and he just wants to help. He, yeah. he's, my, he's my biggest cheerleader. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's not coming in to cause problems or create factions or he just comes in to support. And... um depending on the church and depending on the pastor and the culture kind of there, I think some pastors get praised too much and there's this Mm. narcissistic effect and they're insulated from criticism. And you see this kind of celebrity cult of personality, but I think the more common experience is probably pastors who feel like they're not appreciated. And um, it, it means just so much if I get a random text from a congregation member that's like, Thanks for being my pastor yeah. or I'm praying for you today or, you know, right before a sermon being like, Hey, I'm praying for you. When you get up to preach, like
2: mm-hmm.
1: that goes a thousand miles and, yeah, and people might not know that it goes that far. And if you had don't know that and, and you're going to a church this Sunday, try it out. And I guarantee you, you're going to really bless someone who's who's really working hard and, and really trying their best to to be a, a spiritual leader. And mm-hmm. I think that's probably the most difficult aspect of pastoring is the expectations and the, the variety of skills and the light heart quote kind of gets at that. Um, you know, there's no one thing that you do or are supposed to do in one sense, you can describe the job pretty simply in a sentence. In another sense, it, it's almost Everything is included underneath yeah.
0: it. It's so multifaceted in a lot of ways that it's, yeah, It to, to write a job description for a pastor is, <laughs> is very difficult, and uh, again, and, and there's always going to be things that you didn't foresee that come up. And I mean, there's all, especially, again, and this this differs across different types of churches and different sizes of churches, but if you're a pastor at a really, really small, like, rural church, like, you're also the janitor for the most part. You're the guy who gets called if the AC goes out. All of those things that people don't realize. And, and then... If you're a pastor at a really large church where you have employees that take care of that stuff, you're still getting phone calls and, and texts and emails and things for things that were never gonna be on your calendar an hour ago, you know, and, and so you're you're juggling all of that and and always remembering that it's a person on the other end of this thing. Um, it's it's an actual human being that's that's attached to the other side of this. It's not like a math equation. It's not, you know, you're you're not an engineer dealing with a structure, you're you're actually dealing with a human being. And so it's, it's very, very multifaceted. Uh, I know that you, you kind of did some polls and uh, texts and some things on Instagram and Facebook before we had this conversation, and I know you kind of made a little bit of a list of some things that came up in response to just the general question of, you know, what do you wish as a pastor that people knew, or what questions maybe do people have about how their pastor's uh, job actually operates and stuff. So do you have any of those that you wanted to, to share or things that came up uh, a lot in, in those responses that you received?
1: there's a great question that was asked by someone who's not in ministry right now, which I found really interesting. And the question was, do pastors teach things they don't really believe, but are endorsed by the church or elders Mm. or denomination? And I think that gets to a bigger issue, which is that pastors have their own spiritual lives. Yes. And it's not static, just like anyone else's spiritual life is not static. There are days where it's stronger and days where it's weaker. And there are days where you believe this and there are days where you believe this. And I'm of the opinion that if you have, are believing the exact same things you believed 10 years ago, you just probably haven't been reading enough, you know, Amen. learning enough. Um, and so there's always this very interesting line to balance between trying to keep a steady spiritual anchor for your church while allowing yourself the space to go through some spiritual growth or deconstruction or what that might be or look like. You know, when I started out at the church, I was a five point Calvinist, like young, <laughs> restless, reformed, and would preach <laughs> these hardcore predestination sermons that would make people yep. upset. 10 years later, you know, I'm, I'm, I would consider myself a big R of reformed in the Bardian sense, but
2: mm-hmm.
1: nothing similar yes. to, a, to that kind of double predestination. So I've had big theological shifts yeah. that have occurred, and you've got to time that out with a congregation. So some congregations yeah. are good to go. You know, Whatever the pastor is saying or moving towards, they trust and kind of will follow along. And other times, you know, that can be spiritually jarring for somebody. If it's taken you five years to change your mind on an issue, one sermon's not going to do it for a group of mm-hmm. people who otherwise thought you've been telling them to believe this. Um, So there's that challenge of, of maintaining the appropriate space in your own life for growth and struggle while facilitating that with your congregation, while also giving some stability. Um, And uh, to the actual question, did people teach what they don't believe? My answer, I think it, it changes, Based on the context and on how, on the hierarchy and, and denomination and whatnot. Mm-hmm. My answer is no. I don't mm-hmm. think I've ever said anything that I didn't believe. There are yeah. times where I'm not as strong as I feel, or I'm sure. not as, I don't push as hard as I am truly convicted, but that's mm-hmm. just out of a read of where I think the congregation is at and what I think yeah. about the path forward is. I've never, I've never in my, I can't think of a time where I've stood up in front of a group and said something theologically that in my mind I was like, there's no way I believe that. Like, Mm -hmm. and that's a privilege that I have that a lot of pastors don't have, I think. Yeah. And if you're in a a little bit more hierarchical structure, uh, more, more dogmatic kind of denomination, maybe I'm guessing that there's probably some pastors out there who do have different opinions than than what they're allowed to say out loud. Sure. Um, which I imagine would be a very tough thing to, to navigate. I mm-hmm. actually used to get a lot that people apparently thought stories and sermons were all made up. Mm. And for like five years, it hasn't happened in a few years, but it was very common for like a handful of years. And I'd get it from everywhere and, and people would be surprised like, oh, that story actually happened. I'm like, yeah, no, I actually had a seizure, or I that you know, I actually had that conversation with that lady at the grocery store, and yeah, and it wasn't, it wasn't a negative thing. They just kind of assumed it was all, and I was like, is just that for, a thing? Is, is that just a thing for illustrative
0: th- purposes? You're concocting these, yeah. Is that things? a thing everyone yeah.
1: thinks that everyone believes? Um, I don't know. You know. I know some pastors do probably fib a little bit with stories and and storytelling by nature. It's prone to you know exaggeration and sure. And to set up the story to make the point that you want to make and you know, you get to choose what details to include or not to include and things of that nature. But that was another thing that, that one time just blew <laughs> a group of people's minds that most of the stories I told are pretty accurate. If you had a video yeah. camera, <laughs> that's what was going on. Personal
0: experiences. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, but man, I was, did you get any? Go ahead. Go ahead.
1: I was, you know, I was a kid when I became a pastor, and I'm not sure it's something I would recommend. But so I, I kind of started doing ministry before I knew rules, you know.
2: Mm.
1: We we had a, uh, a couple at our church who weren't happy that I would talk about being depressed at times. And I understand their position, you know, yeah. but I had to tell them, like, well, this is just probably not going to be the church for you um and you know i didn't go to seminary i was on the academic route and went to grad school and so i missed the class where they say don't tell your congregation about your mental health stuff um
0: they don't they don't have that in seminary either
1: <laughs> yeah probably <laughs> not class isn't
0: there yeah it's it's becoming more of a topic of conversation i think for people as we continue to realize just as a society and as the human race, that mental health is a thing <laughs> beyond, uh, you know, like major mental health disorders, um, and, and, situations. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, there's no class even in seminary. I was even, I was on a, granted I, I was on a more academic route in seminary. Um, so I wasn't taking a whole lot of pastoral care classes, but I'm pretty sure it's not in there either that you sh- just real specific direction. Like,
1: that. yeah, never, <laughs> never say that. Um,
2: yeah.
1: so I don't know the, I didn't know the rules. And grew up mm-hmm. with this congregation, and so we kind of created our own rules and what felt natural and honest and authentic to yeah. me. Um, and I know that's not the situation at every church. Um, and, you know, there are some good boundaries that should be drawn. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: Like I said, if I got up 13 weeks in a row and just cried, I'm not sure that would be a great thing for the church. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, one of the things that has been interesting – and, and, you know, I'm very interested in mental health and, and how that relates to ministry and spiritual formation and, and all these things. And I've seen this now come up a lot. So there's been a lot of recognition about trauma and trauma-informed mm-hmm. approaches to things and how trauma neuro you know, affects you on a neurobiological level and, I mean, all these types of things. And one of the things in the past couple of years that I've now been seeing start to begin being talked about is the unique traumas that pastors experience. Mm. And one of these as an example would be a family that you're invested in and that you've prayed over and served and, you know, been criticized for, you know, taking some stuff for them, you know, stood in the way of some fire for them. You, you know, you'd love them. You consider them friends, and then they ghost the church. Mm. They leave the church. And sometimes it's not for, a, you know, I don't, I'm don't. i not of the opinion that you're stuck at the church you're at forever. I think if, yeah. it's a, if it's a poor church or it's an abusive place, you should get out of there as fast as you can probably. So Sometimes there's good reasons, but that's still a huge relational loss. And that's something that pastors deal with often, mm. very, very often that I'm not sure other than maybe social workers or some other type of vocations is quite as common where yeah. you are that invested on an emotional and a relational and even just hours of put in level. Mm-hmm. And then the relationship is severed. Yeah, And uh, sometimes it continues a little bit in terms of a friendship. Sometimes, you know, like I said, you kind of get ghosted to mm-hmm. use like dating relational terms. Um and I had a trauma-informed therapist once asked me to list out all of the people in a 10 years of ministry who've left the church. And I mean I just sobbed for like three hours and mm-hmm. I had never realized how much it hurt me. Yeah. And it it's not to guilt those people, right? Like some of them just moved because they had a different job or some of them, you know, were looking for something else in a different church or Some of them stop being believed, you know, whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. It's not that they did something wrong necessarily. Although I think sometimes church members do do things wrong on their way out. It's just that either way you slice it, you know, there was a relationship there that got severed and, and it's a pain that you just bear and there's Mm -hmm. not really space to talk about it. And there's not really much you can do about it. Um, and, uh, again anytime god kind of gets put into the situation things kind of are increased a little bit and so yeah you know i once heard a comedian joke about people who don't like your comedy it's like it's impossible not to take that personally because someone who's Mm -hmm. like "I, i don't like your comedy they're basically saying like you know i just don't like you like your personality the way you think the way you talk and it's like a little bit like that in ministry as well like you know not everyone loves my preaching um and you know, but that's my preaching is just kind of my personality and and kind of what yeah. I think, and that kind of thing and um so you you have that personal and relational element, and then you add the God religious part on top of it, which can add so mm-hmm. much pressure and can warp things on both ends yeah um and uh it can just be a really messy feel to walk through and i think a lot of p- congregation members don't necessarily realize how often their pastor is genuinely hurting mm. something that again maybe was not a mistake or someone didn't do anything mean to them it's just of course of business right
2: yeah
1: um and then over the course of years it's just a grind
2: yeah
1: being on stage is a grind being behind the scenes and and church stuff is a grind and all jobs have their grind. Um, But being a spokesperson for God, I think is its particular kind of, of grind. And so. Yeah. Anyone who's been doing it for 15 years or 20 years or 25 years, I have so much respect for, because Mm. I think you could take the healthiest person in the world and a decade of doing it. Could grind them down and you'd be like, well, yeah, nothing, nothing wrong happened. It's just tough. Mm -hmm.
0: It's just, yeah, it's, it's hard work. Like it's, and people, I think have an idea that it's a very, um, I don't know (laughs) relaxing is not the word i'm looking for but that it's it's kind of posh in some ways like oh you you don't really even work 40 hours a week like what are you doing all week long and the reality is if you could if you could show them like a chart of your mental and emotional and spiritual and even physical health and be like here's here's the toll that this has taken and even the most healthy well-balanced pastors uh have, have the scars of ministry and, and there are scars and there's scars of life in general, right? But ministry has unique, unique scars, kind of like what you just talked about with different emotional experiences and things like that, um, that don't really get shown necessarily. Um, but if, if, if you were able to kind of crack everything open and see, um, the non-physical representations of, of trauma and of just scars and of just the, the grind, um, it's, it's very, very present in the, in, in people in full-time ministry, especially in pastors. Um, so as, as we wind, as we wind up, wind down, and kind of wrap up, um, I want to ask a question and you can just, I know this is a big question, so just feel free to answer it. However, kind of just rapid, whatever sure. comes to mind. Um, if you could look back at young 20 year old Mike, uh, in 2009, when he was handed the keys to the kingdom, <laughs> what, what would you wish that you would have known? Um, obviously there's a lot I'm sure, but is there, is there maybe one or two things that really just stick out that you're like, I wish I would have had a better grasp of this or, known about this going into pastoral ministry?
1: I think at 1,000%, I would tell this kid to find a good therapist and to work on his issues because you can't lead a healthy church if you're not a healthy person. And being a healthy person is a hard thing to do for the best of us. And if you live this life, you've got some scars and some traumas and some bad coping skills and that makes its way into relationships and um yeah hands down that's what i would tell 20 year old mike you know part yeah. of me would be like maybe run um you know <laughs> there are definitely like technical issues you know sure, like, this will make your job easier once you figure this out and
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know these type of people will work a little bit better in these type of roles but i i feel like you'd learn that if you're going to stick with it and, and yeah. that, that kind of thing anyway right? but I think, and again, I think there's some more clarity and discussion around this, but I would, I would say you need to be in therapy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I think just about anyone that would be a good response, uh, for, for, for all of us. I, I tell people all the time, like, I think every single human being needs therapy for at least something in the course of their lives. Um, some of us need it more often and more, uh, in depth than others, but man, we all, we all have the scars and the traumas of life. And bearing in mind that we, especially if you're a Christian and you're in a church, you are bringing those to your pastor a lot, right? And to kind of bring this full circle, like, you know, let's, let's keep that in mind that uh, your pastor has probably had multiple conversations with other people throughout the week, um, kind of in the same vein of the one that you're having with them right now. And, and so it's, it's helpful to kind of, again, pray for your pastor, um, encourage them, like, my, like Mike mentioned, just Write them a little card occasionally, send them a text, send them an email, um, compliment their sermon and rather than criticizing the, the song choices for that week or whatever, whatever it is, you know, that we're so prone to do. Go ahead.
1: And be specific, right? Like yeah. better than, Hey, that was a great sermon is like, I really liked how you explained that text or I really liked the way you connect that to, to that life, you know, yeah. that is more helpful and is, is better able to be appreciated as a compliment one of the things that is a big temptation for pastors and a lot of pastors obviously fall into it i've certainly fallen into it at times myself although i think i've got a very a, a ba- fairly balanced views it's it's very easy to be a narcissist as a pastor mm. and you know who who among us is smart enough or spiritual enough to stand in front of a group of people 40 times a year at least Mm -hmm. and talk to them about God you know I mean none of us none of us really are maybe there's a handful of special people in the world that are so gifted but like you know you're doing it out of a a job description and a you know lack of other options that kind of thing but it can be very easy to think like no you do have something that the whole world needs to hear every week and I mean you can talk to celebrities or late night hosts or people like that and and I think you hear that all the time. It's just like,
2: Mm -hmm. I have
1: nothing to say, like, or I think everyone has to hear everything that I have to say. Mm. It's like, neither of those are true. Yeah. Neither of those are true at all.
0: Well, Mike, thanks so much for just your honesty and, and just kind of pulling back the veil a little bit for, for the average kind of churchgoer to see into the life and mind of, of what it, it means and what it takes to, to pastor. And so I really appreciate you, of course, just even your friendship, but also you as a person, um, and just uh, really, really appreciate your time and just honesty to have these conversations today.
1: Yeah. And we so need more you. pastors. We need, yeah. uh, we need more people going into the ministry. I don't think we do a great job, um, maybe in ways that we did in the past, we were more intentional, even if they're outdated now. But mm-hmm. um, pastoring is a is a calling and a vocation. And yeah, I don't think it should be looked down upon, and you might not make as much money as you would if you were a lawyer. And you know, it's easy to tell horror stories, but there are also very unique joys to pastoring mm-hmm. that you would yeah. never get anywhere else. And uh, so also, the, here's my plug. if if you feel called <laughs> to go into ministry, right yeah. don't don't let someone tell you no because you're a woman or because you're mm. too young or because you've not yeah. gone to this school or that school like or because mm. you've heard this podcast and you
2: know <laughs> i talk about don't all this afraid. trauma
1: yeah don't be afraid <laughs> it's worth exactly
0: it. well right well thanks mike so much and also for you uh, listeners I'm, I'm always grateful for you uh, thank you so much for your time and i hope to have you back with us next week for another great episode Thanks for joining me this week. It's a huge help when you like, rate, and subscribe to Between the Creations wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also follow the podcast on Instagram or Facebook for news about upcoming episodes. You can find out more about the podcast, submit topics you'd like me to cover on an episode, or even ask me to speak at your event at laurianhook.com.